0: Good morning. It's great to see each one of you here. Great to be in God's house together. I was thinking about Mother's Day this week and um, came across this little thing I thought I'd share with you, things mom would never say. Here's one. How on earth can you see that TV sitting so far back? (laughs) Yeah, I used to skip school a lot too. It's okay. I like this one. Just leave all the lights on. It makes the house look cheery. (laughs) I'll tell you, my mom never said that one. (laughs) Let me smell that shirt. Yeah, it's good for another week. (laughs) Go ahead and keep that stray dog, honey. I'll be glad to feed him and walk him every day. (laughs) Well, if your friend says it's okay, that's good enough for me. The curfew is just a general time to shoot for. It's not like I'm running a prison around here. (laughs) I don't have a tissue with me, just use your shirt. (laughs) And finally, another thing mom would never say, don't bother wearing a jacket. The wind chill is bound to improve. just wanted to put that out there this morning and thank my kids for teaching me to say a whole bunch of those things. <laughs> well, it's good to uh to worship, to be together, to hear the truth about who God is and who we are and to just let God speak to us this morning. He's got a wonderful piece of scripture for us this morning, so pull out your Bible if you brought it. And uh, if you didn't, pull out a pew Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter chapter 4, not 14, chapter 4. Hebrews is right there uh, near the end of the New Testament. Start at the end and flip back a little bit. You'll get to Hebrews before too long. Hebrews chapter 4. We're just going to read the last three verses of that chapter, verses 14, 15, and 16. Mine is titled, Jesus the Great High Priest. So let's listen to what God has to say to us today. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly This is good stuff. This is God's word for us today. God, thank you for speaking to us. Thank you that you care enough to keep leading us and guiding us through this life. Quiet our hearts now. Open our ears. Speak, Lord, for we are listening. Amen. Well, it's prom season. And you know what that means. Two big questions. What are we going to wear? And who is going to ask whom? Right? I was thinking about... um back when I was in eighth grade, we had an eighth grade graduation dance that was a really big deal. We were moving in eighth grade from one building to another. We had a whole graduation ceremony and a sort of this little miniature prom that we called the eighth grade graduation dance. We would get all the decorations from the junior-senior prom and uh, set them up in one of the gyms in the, in the junior high and um, make a big deal out of it. And I remember, I can still remember, all the drama that went on around who was going to go with whom to the 8th grade graduation dance. It was like a United Nations of negotiation that was going on because, you know, when you're in 8th grade, you don't just walk right up to someone and say, hey, you want to go to the dance with me? You tell your friend who's friends with one of their friends, who talks to one of their friends, who asks them, and then it gets passed back through, and there's all this negotiation because you wouldn't want to just walk right in and ask someone, right? That would be way too intimidating. Well, We have needs way, way more important than who we're going to go to the next dance with, don't we? And we need to be able to walk right in and ask God for what we need. But sometimes it feels like as difficult to do that as it is to negotiate those middle school relationships, sometimes we feel like, is it really possible to have access to God? Or how do I not feel intimidated to just go right in And ask God for what I need. You know, we all have things we would love to just ask God about, get his wisdom on, relationships, jobs, finances, a diagnosis, all kinds of things. We need to know what what God can do to help us. We want to receive his wisdom, but how do we get access to God? We're diving deep into the topic of prayer this spring. We've been here for a few weeks in the sermon time. We're trying to learn more about prayer, and we're trying to pray more, to do both. So we've been exploring all kinds of topics about prayer during the Sunday morning time. We've got two more Sundays um, after this one that we're going to do that. And we've started a whole bunch of small groups about prayer. If you are not in a small group and you have even the little bit of interest in doing that, please check them out. There's information in your bulletin. They would love to have you join them. Uh, Even though it's a weekend, it's totally fine to jump in at this point. We're also trying to pray more. We've been gathering people who want to make that commitment to just spend a little time in prayer every week for this church We're calling them prayer partners. If you have not signed up to be a prayer partner, we would love for you to do that. Just write it in the red box or send us an email or something, and we will send you an email with a little bit of inspiration and information to pray about so we can really pray for our church body together. A couple weeks ago, our administrative board members and our staff gathered on a Sunday night just to pray Just to pray for this church as a family, that God would lead us and guide us and bless us. We're trying to pray more, build more prayer into our lives. You may have heard me say this before, but that door right back there is our prayer room. And at the end of every service, there's people in that prayer room waiting to pray with anybody who has a need. And these kneelers here at the front are always open. Anytime you feel like I got to wrestle something out with God, just you can run right down here in the middle of my sermon and kneel down and pray. They're always open. We want to learn more about prayer. We want to do more prayer because prayer is tricky. We know it's important, but it's also, we find it hard. A lot of barriers we find in our way. A recent Pew study in 19. Uh, in uh, 2013, it's not 19 anymore. <laughs> Time flies. 2013 Pew Research Center study said that 55% of Americans pray every day. We know prayer is important, but we don't always feel confident in our prayers. Sometimes we feel like that middle school kid holding the phone, trying to get up the courage to dial someone. And ask them out on a date, we don't always feel confident in our prayers for a long, long time God's people, the Jews, had to gain access to God, not from the the other side of a phone line, but the other side of a curtain. The, they had this whole system of the high priest that's not an image that really resonates very much with our lives today because We don't have any high priests in our lives that we interact with, but for them it was a really normal way to to interact with God. Moses' brother, Aaron, was the first high priest, and he was the mediator between God and the people. He and his fellow priests offered sacrifices on behalf of the people, and they had to follow a detailed procedure spelled out by God. If you've ever read Leviticus, you know there's a lot of details there that God laid out, and they weren't allowed to vary it or make things up on their own. Once a year, on the Day of Atonement, one of the priests, or sometimes the high priest, would go into the Holy of Holies, it was called. Isn't that a great name? I remember hearing that name as a kid in church and thinking, the Holy of Holies, whatever that is, it must be amazing. And it really was, that was the place where God's presence was was located. That was like headquarters for God's presence. And it was all curtained off in the tabernacle and then later the temple. And nobody was allowed to go in there. Except once a year, the high priest would go in and offer a sacrifice on behalf of the people and ask God to forgive them. It was the Day of Atonement, a day when they received forgiveness. He would sprinkle the blood of the sacrifices on the mercy seat and ask God, have mercy on your people. Whoever got chosen to go in and do that job, they would tie a rope around his ankle because it was so likely that the presence of God would just knock them dead, that they would have to be pulled out (laughs) by that rope and nobody else was allowed to go in. Can you imagine when we came into worship if we all had a rope tied around our ankle because we had such a sense of the holiness of God in this place together? Only one person was allowed access into that holy of holies. And if he came out alive, people heaved a sigh of relief because it meant that God had accepted their sacrifice, forgiven them for another year. It went on like this for generation after generation after generation. And then suddenly, someone came that changed it all. That someone was Jesus. Hebrews tells us that he was the great high priest. Not just was, but is still our great high priest. Look at Hebrews 4.14 again. If you closed your Bible, open back up, read along with me. Hebrews 4.14, the writer of Hebrews says, We have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. What does a high priest do? He goes in behind the curtain, has access to God. But Jesus didn't just go behind the curtain. He tore the curtain open. When he died on the cross, the scripture tells us that curtain in the temple literally was torn in two from top to bottom. He opened up the Holy of Holies to everybody, who has faith in him. It's an amazing thing. It says he he is our great high priest, the mediator between us and between God. So now no other human mediator is needed. We don't need to ask somebody else to go to God for us. We can have access to God. We don't have to wait for a a high priest or or any priest or, or anyone we might consider holier or better than us to have access to God. Jesus wipes all that away. He tore the veil that separated us from God. We have a great high priest. If you have your own Bible, underline that word we. We have a great high priest. Not just some people. Not just the good people, not just the the religious people or the holy people or the, the people who have it all together. We all have a great high priest, anyone who is a follower of Jesus who will claim him as their great high priest. We all have a great high priest. It includes everybody in the church. That is good news. Hebrews 14 4:14 4, 14 says, "Therefore, since we have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, now why does the writer include that little detail in there that Jesus ascended into heaven? Well, that reminds us that he's not bound by Earth anymore. He's not bound by time or space. He lives in all of eternity, and he can see and interact with all that's going on in our lives all at the same time. He's passed not just through the veil into the Holy of Holies, but into the very presence of God. He is the second person of the Trinity. Nothing gets in his way. And our high priest's access is now our access because he has opened that door to us. So we have a great high priest, Hebrew says, who has ascended into the heavens, and then tells us, in case we didn't know who it is, Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, the Son of God. I think that's a really interesting title that the writer chose here. Jesus, that tells us he was really a human being. That was the name the second person of the Trinity was given when he was born as a baby in Bethlehem. Jesus, He's a real human like us, and he's the son of God. He's divine. He's the perfect combination to be the perfect high priest for us. So Jesus, the high priest, is our, Jesus, the son of God, is our great high priest. And verse 15 goes on to tell a little bit more about what makes him so good at being this high priest for us. He says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. He has empathy or sympathy, depending on which translation you're using. That word is used only twice in the New Testament, once here and once a little bit later in Hebrews to talk about the sympathy that Christians have for prisoners. Jesus understands our weakness. It literally means to suffer along with. He suffers along with us in our weakness. That means that Jesus isn't sitting there up in heaven going, man, those poor suckers. Good luck with that. (laughs) Not at all. He says, oh, I feel what you're feeling. When our hearts are broken, it breaks his heart as well. Because he's been there. He understands what this human life is all about, and that it is tough. It is tough. He gets it. He gets it. It says, we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weakness. He suffers along with us. So we never have to try and rattle the bars of heaven and say, God, don't you understand what I'm going through? He gets it. He knows. He's been there. He feels what we feel. In fact, it says he was tempted in every way, just as we are. Tempted in every way, just as we are, but without sin. Now, it's easy for us to think, well, he had a little advantage, didn't he? (laughs) I mean, he was God, right? He was tempted in every way we are, but without sin. It's easy for us to think, well, it must have been easier for him to resist sin than it is for us. And if Jesus never sinned, he must not have been tempted to the degree that we are tempted. But it's actually just the opposite. Some of you out there are probably runners, right? Some of you may have even run a marathon. Now, if you invited me to run a marathon with you, we would start by training, right? Right? What if you came to me and said, okay, I'm going to take it easy on you. Instead of running 26 miles for our first day of training, we're going to try 13. How far do you think I would make it? I'm guessing right around the two-mile mark, maybe. If I gave up after two miles, no matter how hard that two miles was for me, which of us would you say really understands what it means to run a marathon. You who would run all 26 miles or me who would only run two. It would be you, of course, because you would run it all the way out to the end. When Jesus faced temptations, he faced them all the way out to the end. He wrestled them all the way to the end without giving in. So he knows what temptation feels like. C.S. Lewis put it this way. I love how blunt C.S. Lewis is. A silly idea is current that good people do not know what temptation means. This is an obvious lie. He just lays it right out there. Only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it is. After all, you find out the strength of the German army by fighting against it, not by giving in. You find out the strength of the wind by trying to walk against it, Not by lying down. A person who gives in to temptation after five minutes simply does not know what it would have been like an hour later. That is why bad people, in one sense, only know very little about badness. They have lived a sheltered life by always giving in. Christ, he says, because he was the only man who never yielded to temptation is also the only man who knows to the full what temptation means. Because he was, the scripture says, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He truly knows what we're going through. John Calvin said he counts all our miseries as his own. He sympathizes with our weakness. So he knows what we're going through. So Hebrews, in these two little verses, tells us a whole bunch about God, a whole bunch about who God in Jesus Christ is. And then it asks us that question, so what? So now we know Jesus is our great high priest, which is great, but now what do we do with that? Verse 16, "So, so let us then, let us then, Well, first, before we move on and say what we should do about it, let's notice that word, us. Let us, then, that includes all of us, not just the good guys, not just the priests, not just those who anyone would think was worthy. Let us, then, what? Let us, then, approach God's throne of grace. Yeah, let us then approach God's throne of grace. A throne is a symbol of power and authority. And of course, it's not talking about approaching a literal throne, but letting us know that that God is where ultimate authority rests. Let us approach the throne, and then he calls it the throne of grace. Isn't that a great combination the power of God and the grace of God are right together. That's what we have access to in prayer. Let us approach the throne of grace. We have both a God who is powerful enough to change our lives and one who cares enough about us to actually do it. The throne of grace. And we can approach that throne of grace and this is the best part, with confidence. With confidence. We don't have to crawl into the throne room of God. If you've read the book of Esther, you know she sets the scene in this ancient time that was really common back then of having um, an emperor or a king and that person being very protected from the people around them. It says in the book of Esther that everyone knows, like this is a common thing, that nobody can just walk into the throne room and approach the king without being invited first. If they do that and the king doesn't hold out their scepter for them to touch then that person will be taken off and executed. Esther's wrestling with this because she has something she needs to ask the king for and she doesn't know if she can go approach him or not. That's often how we have felt about God, that maybe we shouldn't just walk right in and ask him for things that maybe we're not worthy or maybe we need to do something first or wait for him to invite us. But Hebrews says, no, 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 let us. Because Jesus has opened that door for us. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. With confidence. Jenna Bush, President Bush's daughter, was a a guest on the Ellen DeGeneres talk show once while her father was president. And she and Ellen were chatting back and forth, and Ellen asked her, can you just call your dad anytime? Are you allowed to just pick up the phone and call him or or do they say to you oh he's in a meeting when you try to call and she said no no I can I I can call him anytime and so Ellen says well how about now and she pulls out a phone <laughs> and gives it to Jenna and Jenna says oh well oh, oh okay well I, I'll try it and she starts to dial the white house and then she starts to get really nervous and she starts to say like oh man they're going to kill me. <laughs> oh, he's going to be really mad. And, and Ellen says, why? Well, won't he want to just say hi? And she says, oh, they, they may have wanted some warning first. And she gets the receptionist, and and she's starting to get more and more nervous. She's, it's, this it's in December. She says, I, I'm not going to get anything that I want for Christmas this year. <laughs> and then her mom answers the phone, and she says, hi, mom. <laughs> I'm on TV. <laughs> what are you doing? And Mrs. Bush says, well, I'm just sitting here with your father. And Ellen says, oh, oh, let's talk to him. So Jenna says, well, could I talk to daddy? And then President Bush gets on the phone. And by now, Jenna's really nervous, and they talk a little bit. And then she says, dad, are you mad? She's a grown woman, but she has this little Girl, kind of sound in her voice as she says, it, Dad, are you mad? And he says, No, no. I just want to tell my little girl that I love her. Just a tiny little reflection of what it's like when we come into that throne room of grace. God says, Oh, I'm so glad to hear from you. I just want to tell you I love you. Welcome. Come in. In fact, I've been calling you. Anytime we have the urge to pray, it's because he's been calling us and saying, come to me. We never have to worry because Jesus has opened that door for us. Approach God's throne of grace with confidence, Hebrews tells us. And then he says, what happens when we do? And this is another great part to underline in your Bible because this is one of those verses that you just you hold on to for the rest of your life once you find it. Hebrews 4:16 Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Mercy and grace. Mercy is not receiving the punishment that we deserve for our sins. Jesus took that for us. That was his gift to us. And grace is receiving the blessings that we don't receive, that we don't deserve. So not getting the punishment, but getting the blessings. That's mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Ron Dunn wrote a book called Don't just stand there. Pray something. He uh, tells in that book what he learned at the end of a very bad day. He says one day he got up. He was in a hurry. He didn't spend any time in prayer. And as the day wore on, he was cranky and demanding with the people around him. And he treated them badly. And when the day finally ended, he sat down with God. And he started to talk to God. And he said, Lord, I, I've made a mess of my life today. And I confess I'm not worthy to come into your presence. And he says he felt like God just said, whoa, whoa, stop right there. That God stopped him right there and interrupted him. And he sensed God saying to him, Ron, do you think having a quiet time this morning would have made you worthy to come into my presence Do you think treating people kindly and and doing the right thing would somehow have qualified you to come into my presence? And he sensed God saying to him, if that's what you think, you don't know yourself, you don't know me, and you don't know grace. Grace is all about the fact that we don't deserve access, but he's given it to us anyway that we can come with confidence. Despite our sins, we can approach with confidence. The writer of Hebrews says the same thing. Just a few verses, or a few chapters later, flip over to Hebrews 10, 19. Hebrews 10, 19, listen to how he says the same thing over again. He tells us, "'Therefore, brothers and sisters, "'since we have confidence to enter the most holy place "'by the blood of Jesus,' by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great high priest over the household of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Now, it's important to have other people pray for us. I'm not saying that just because we have access that we should never ask others to also pray for us, especially if we're feeling down or feeling stuck. There is so much power in having other Christians pray for us. And I know that sometimes there are sins or things in our lives that are really, we know are getting in the way of our relationship with God, and we just need to to work those things out with him. And then we can have that close relationship again. But we don't do that working out process away from Jesus. We do it at his feet, at the throne. We have access. We can approach the throne of grace and find mercy and grace to help us. In our time of need, I love that word help. You know what that word means? Here in Hebrews, it's a nautical term, a term used with boats. And the only other time it's used in the New Testament is when it's talking about a huge storm that the Apostle Paul was in. He was out in the ocean, and the ship that they were in was getting ready to break apart. And so the sailors put cables, threw cables overboard, and got them around to the other side and cabled the ship together so that it wouldn't break apart in the ocean waves. Isn't that a great image? Because have you ever felt like your life is just being busted up by the waves of life? That there are pieces flying off all over the place, and you're wondering, is the whole thing going to crack and fall apart and we're going to all drown? That help, that help that he offers, is like cables that holds our lives together, pulls us together in the middle of the ocean, we can find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. So here's the challenge. Pray. Pray. This week, today, don't be afraid to spend some time With the Lord. If there is anything that you have been saying to yourself, you know, I don't really deserve to let for God to hear me. I need to get this thing in my life straightened out before God will listen to me. Don't listen to that. Jesus has opened the door for us. He has opened the curtain. So let that give you confidence to approach God in prayer, frequently, with an open heart, with everything that you want to ask or listen for, pray. We just heard the great words, what a friend we have in Jesus. And those are very true All our sins and griefs to bear, the song says. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And that song goes on. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Let that not be said about us. Let us approach the throne of grace this week with confidence, and pray. Let's pray together. God, thank you that you have torn the veil. You have made a way. God, I just want to pray specifically for anybody in this room who may think that they are not worthy to approach you. I pray that you would speak your words love and confidence to them, that they would hear you saying, I just want to tell my child that I love them, that they would know through Jesus Christ they have access to you. God, we give you praise today, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.